Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. We were talking out of Jude, correct? And in Jude, he began to talk about what things were going to begin to look like in the last days, right? And uh, in that, we recognize that Jude told us here in verse 20, I'm just going to jump right on into the word. It says here in verse 20, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of the Lord. Uh, Jesus Christ until eternal life and some have compassion making a difference and others save with fear pulling them out of the fire hating even the garment spotted with flesh or spotted by the flesh now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the, wise, to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. So it's him who is able to keep us from falling. Amen. Why is this important? Because we know in Jude we talked about last week that what triggered this whole um, thought process of ministering out of this scripture was when pastor was ministering a few weeks ago and he said uh, that the Bible says that in the last days uh, it will be like the days of what? Noah. The days of Noah. And why is this important that we recognize what was going on in the days of Noah? Because that's the signs of the times. You see that? Okay, and this was found in Matthew, right? Uh, and not only in Matthew, uh, we looked and talked about, in speaking of the last days, that in 2 Timothy, he begins to talk to us about what it's going to look like, what people are going to be like, right? Um, haters of God, selfish selfish ambition, you know, uh, all kinds of lists of things so that when we're walking around uh, in our daily lives uh, among people, we recognize that people are going to look like this. They're going to act like this. Jude talks about they will mock you and scoff you. Uh, you know, he lets us know what we can expect. And I love that about God is that he never would have left us here unaware of what was going to be happening, what was going to be taking place uh, in the times towards the last days. Why does he not want us unaware? Because he doesn't want us to fall into, because we know we've talked about other scriptures that talk about in the last days that many are going to fall away from the faith. This is talking about believers. And I'm going to tell you now being 
uh, in the church for 31 years, and I know there's been other people here longer uh, that's probably been in the church, but I've been in the church 31 years now serving him for 31 years in the church. And I'm going to tell you, I am seeing on a rampant level, especially because now we are involved with other pastors across the nation and around the world, on an epidemic level of Christians that were once in the church for 30 years, falling away and saying they don't even believe God anymore and are living completely opposite lifestyles on an epidemic level. This is happening today. And I could name them one after one after one. We see in our society the culture and what it looks like and what's happening even just this past few weeks, right? Uh, with what was going on with Roe versus Wade. Uh, you know, you can drive down uh, A1A now and see a beautiful painting of De of graffiti about, you know, we don't want laws that have anything to do with our body, our choice, all these things, you know. So all these things are clashing. We are having culture clashes, right? We see people straight up hating God, hating law. He says in the last day, there, we, there's going to be lawlessness. Nobody wants laws unless it can help them because the same people that are talking and screaming about my body, my choice are the very ones that would want law against someone that would rape them, right? Come on. So we see the insanity happening on an epidemic level right now before our eyes. He lets us know that they're going to be haters of God, haters of God. You have people that will walk up into the houses of worship with a firearm and have no fear of God have no moral compass but to walk in and shoot up people. You see people walk in churches today, as I said, a huge church just happened last couple of, maybe last month, uh, took off their clothes, uh, started screaming as the pastor is preaching with red marks on their, you know, you've seen it, guys. No fear of God. Mocking God, mocking the church. Uh, and we, we, we kind of think that this is just really just political. It has nothing to do with the political agendas. It has to do with an antichrist spirit. An antichrist spirit, period. They are completely turning, uh, you know, what is evil, thinking that it could be good, and what is good now is evil. You see? It's completely opposite. And so he lets us know that in this day, in this hour, that this is what things will look like. We don't have to be unaware. We should be able to discern, he actually says, the signs of the time. He says, you should discern the signs of the time. 
And if you as a Christian can't discern what is really going on, because we've already said our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against what? Principalities, right? Uh, Demonic forces and agendas. And, uh, And so if you're here just to play church, you know, you're not going to make it. You're going to be one of those that fall away. You're going to be. Because you're not going to be rooted in faith, in actual, uh, your belief system and what you believe. All right? You're going to get caught up in all of the world's voices. But he lets us know that in Jude one thing that we must be responsible for is to keep ourselves in the love of God. We are responsible to keep ourselves in the love of God. And this is not what the world says love is right now. Love is love is love is love. This is not that type of love. God is love. And he is agape. And that is what love is. Agape love is who God is and his nature. Okay? It's who he is. And so he lets us know that we must be the ones that are going to keep ourselves in this love because, listen, it can be really easy to start coming against things that you're seeing on a daily basis and begin to start uh, coming with a wrong motive and a wrong uh, attitude towards people to where you're, you get disgusted with people. You start, you can even start hating people. What are you going to do when they confront you and, and want to say whatever they want to say? Are you going to be like those that want to scream in your face and you've seen them on the news? Come on. So he lets us know this This is the types of things that are going to be happening with people in this day. And that we're going to have to be responsible to keep ourselves in love. Because if we don't have love, the scripture says, faith worketh by love. We will not be operating in faith at all in our lives if we are not people that are going to keep our hearts pure in a place of love towards one another. We were driving here today, and in front of us was a car with all of these new mantra stickers on it, right? Black Lives Matter, you know, my body, my choice, um, you know, love is love, you know, all the mantra stickers on, oh, and guess what was their tag? Save the turtles, but they want to murder the babies. See the insanity. And so these are the types. And we just began to pray for that person in the car that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened and that the veil of darkness would be removed from their eyes so that they could see the light of the gospel because they're blinded and they're groping around in darkness with the things of this world. And so he lets us know that that's the kind of heart you have to have. When you see this, when you, when you see these attitudes, when you see the evil, the wickedness happening, our first response ought to be 
prayer. It ought to be, we need to pray for these individuals because that's going to keep us in a place that our heart is in love with God and keep ourselves protected and guarded from allowing us to take offense at it. Because we can't take offense at it. We cannot be people that take offense at anything because offenses will kill us. Amen. So, uh, you know, we can have a righteous indignation, but that's always motivated by love, not hate, not vindictiveness, right? So we have to make sure that in this last day that we recognize these things are happening and we have the responsibility to keep ourselves in the love of God. We talked about this last week that iniquity was going to abound and that the love of many could wax cold in this day and that that love there that is waxing cold has to do with believers, not ungodly people. Our love can wax cold. Our love can wax cold. And so we want to make sure that we are not these people. And in that verse 13 out of Matthew 24, he says, but he that will endure to the end. So this is what we're talking about. If we're going to endure until the end, if we're going to be able to endure and stay strong in our faith and, and keep ourselves in a place that we are ready for him when he returns, then we are going to have to keep ourselves in the love of God. We are going to have to guard our hearts with all diligence, guarding it. And keep it, he says, right? And we talked about what that meant uh, to keep means to guard. It means to attend to, to take care of. This is the real self-care we need to be talking about as believers. The taking care of our individual hearts. Because if our hearts have anything in it that is against anyone, Come on. Period. So the self-care, hashtag self-care, needs to start right here in our hearts. Caring and tending for our hearts to make sure that we have nothing in it that is not, God has not already been able to uh, be allowed to have Full access in every area of our heart to bring healing so that when we are in a position of wherever we're at in life, there's not going to be anything that would come out of a heart of a victim, a heart of unforgiveness, a heart of, oh, I've seen those people act like that so long and they're never going to change. That's a wrong heart. It's a wrong heart. And so this is what we're talking about. The taking care, the self-care of our hearts is very vitally important. And that should be the number one thing we're caring for. He lets us know that out of our heart flows the issues of life. If we are not to, 
He says to guard your hearts because out of it flows the issues of life. And so if we want to make sure that we are not people that are having issues with ourselves and with others, then we're going to have to be those that guard and take care of our hearts. It also means to hold fast to and to watch unto. So again, you watch your own heart. You guard your own heart. You take care of your own heart. Amen. So that we make sure that we are not going to wax cold. We're not going to have any offense in it towards anyone or anything going on. Uh, you know, there are, are, are good Christians that, you know, spew hatred about political people. That's wrong. He tells us to pray for those. Pray for those. It's wrong that we think we can talk about people and slander people. I don't care what aisle they're on. We don't have that right as a believer because it will affect our heart. It will affect it. So he goes on to say, uh, we talked about this, that in Revelations, he told us again in uh, chapter 2 and verse 4 that, um, you know, they had lost their what? First love. They lost their first love. He talked about the church of Ephesians or Ephesus. He talked about the church of Ephesus. And he said that they had been doing good. They had been advancing. They were strong. They were doing great. But they got caught up in what they were doing that they, what, forgot their first love. And he had that against them. So we talked about the fact that we are going to have to keep ourselves in a place in this last day that we stay focused on guarding our hearts and making sure that our passion for him is the very first thing that's the most important thing in our lives is that we are uh, loving God first more than anything else, more than our jobs, more than our families, more than our kids, right? More than our vacations, more than our money. We are to love him more. He tells us we are to love him with all of our heart, all of our strength, all of our might, and that that it should be a passion, a passionate love, a passionate love for him. And so he, um, we talked about that if we were going to keep ourselves in the love of God in the last days, then we were going to have to, what? Make sure that we are not caught up in the cares of this life, the distractions. All these voices are distractions to get you caught up in them and caught up in things so that it pulls you away from your love. It pulls you away from you and your relationship with the Lord. And so he let us know that, um, that he told us here, let me read this, Mark 4, 19. He says, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust for other things entering in will choke the word out and it will become unfruitful. 
So he, he, we talked about last week that cares of this life is the number one thing that we have to make sure that we're guarding against and not allowing all of these things going on in our lives because that was what was happening in the day of, of Noah. They were given unto marriage. They were, you know, doing all these things. You know, I've got this to do, this to do. It said they were, they were so distracted with all of these things, right? And that's how it was in the day of Noah. And so let us know that if we are going to keep ourselves in a place on fire for God and in love with him, then we're going to have to make sure that we don't get caught up in the distractions of this world. Because what happens? It begins to choke you out. It begins to choke the word of God out of you because you slip on reading your Bible. You slip on your prayer time. You slip on taking time to be in the house of the Lord because you're busy, you know, working and and doing trips and going here and going there. And you're so distracted that all of a sudden you realize, man, I haven't read my Bible in three weeks. What's happening? It's slowly just choking the word out of you, right? That's what it talked about. Uh, remember, I, I mentioned Martha. Oh, Martha, Martha. She was so anxious and worried about and concerned about all the things going on that day that Jesus was in her house. She was caught up in all the distractions that the very thing she needed to be doing was what? Spending time in his presence, spending time with him because he was there among them, right? And so it's important that we recognize. But I want to look at, we also read this scripture out of Luke, and this is really where I want to start tonight. Luke 21, 34. So in Jude, he tells us that we are going to have to, right, keep ourselves in the love of God. And in Luke I read this, um, and it said this, take heed to yourselves. The word take heed to yourselves, this is that self-care. Take heed to yourself. Care for yourself. Take heed to it, right? I could have just titled this self-care, I guess. I, I don't know why I'm camping on that, because I'm just really tired of seeing all the hashtags about it. Because this is self-care right here. This is self-care. And so he says this. He says, uh, take heed to yourselves. And that same word, take heed, means also to keep and to guard. So you take heed, uh, heed to yourselves. You keep, you guard yourselves. Lest any, at any time, your hearts be overcharged with uh, surfeiting and drunkenness and what? the cares of this life, and so that the day comes upon you unaware. Now, that was in the King James Version, reading that. I want to read it out of the New American Standard Version, and I want to go to verse 36. Be on guard so that your hearts will not be weighted down with uh, dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life. And that day will come on you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all of those 
that dwell on the face of the earth, all the earth, but keep on alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. So he says, listen, you best be on guard, which is the same word that he said in Jude. He must take heed to yourselves. Keep and attend to one's self is what it means. All right. I say this is God's self-care and help plan. Care for and attend, be attentive to yourself is what it means. Hold to your mind. Pay attention. Pay attention, please, to what is happening in this world. Pay attention. But he goes on to say, pay attention, be cautious about and apply oneself to to be given to. So that's what he means by be on guard, keep yourselves. It all means that. And it has to do with not only um, you and being in a position to take care of your heart and yourself, but also it deals with you and your mind. Because we know this is where the devil's uh, playing field is. His playing field is to get in your mind and get your mind so distracted with the cares of this life, the busyness, everything that you are doing and you have to do that you get so, and actually when you break, and we're going to break it down. So go down, it says, so that you get so distracted, you get weighted down. You get so weighted down with all that you're doing. You get so distracted with everything that's going on from having to work, take care of your children, cook, clean, uh, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is that everybody does on a daily basis. And everybody, some people are working two and three jobs, but we get so weighted down. We get so distracted with everything that we're doing and get, get to a place where we just feel burnt out or drained or weighted down, right? That we don't want to do anything. We don't even have time to read our Bible. Listen, we've been there, been there. But you got to get yourself out of that cycle and get yourself in being a self-disciplined person. A self-disciplined person to say that I am going to do these things before I get distracted with anything else. Before anything else, I've got to do these things. All right? Because if not, we're going to get weighted down. All right? Let me tell you what weighted down means. It means burdened. And I see people coming in weighted down. They're just burdened with everything they got going on. Right? Hallelujah. And then he goes on to say with dis, uh, dissipation. Now, dissipation has to do with uh, really carousing and drunkenness and almost like a stupor. 
And he goes on and says drunkenness. And when you look up drunkenness, it literally is talking about drunk with wine. So I don't even know why in the world there's so many pastors that think it's okay to be drinking. I still just don't even understand it. When it clearly, clearly, when you look it up in the Greek, tells you exactly what that means. Right? So he goes on to say that word dispensation is like a, a, um, alluring intoxication. You get so intoxicated in your mind with all the cares. You understand what I'm saying? All the cares, all the things going on in, in your life. You get so consumed with it. You get so intoxicated uh, with it that it lures you away from the word, from him, from your relationship with the word, with the um, word, with the Lord. It lures you away that you become intoxicated with all these cares. How many of you been there? I mean, if you let your mind go rampant on the million things you got to do, I mean, you can get into, your mind can be like, whoo, swimming. That's what it's talking about. And then when he talks about that, it also means as if you've got a headache, I want to say like a hangover. A headache. It literally says it when you look it up. Like a headache. Your head is aching with all the things swarming around in your mind. All the cares. All the things you've got going on. All the busyness. All these things that's happening. You get a headache from it. Your head is swarming. You get intoxicated with it. You are like you have a hangover the next day and you can't even function. Which also entails you can no longer be sober-minded. You're not sober-minded. This is one meaning of when he says to keep your mind sober. So I know many people that may not drink, but their mind is not sober because they're drowning in unbridled uh, mind games. Right? The mind playing games on them. You know, all the things going on in their mind, the worries, the cares, the anxiety, the anxiousness. I mean, have we not heard that term like never before? Anxiety, 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 anxiety. This is the cure for your anxiety. Period. This is the cure. Actually, when you look up in my Bible, it says in Matthew 6, the title of it, the cure for anxiety and worry. Yet we have so many people so anxious right now in our world, so worried, so weighted down, right? Listen, and we can't get caught up in it. So drunkenness. It literally is talking about being drunk, right? So you're getting, uh, you know, drunk on the cares of this life and on the worries and on all the things. You're getting drunk on wine. No wonder we've got all kinds of things happening 
in the churches today. Right? Come on, I'm being real. I'm being really real because I really don't want to lose anyone. You know, I was thinking about this, and I didn't know if I, the Lord would let me say it, but I guess he will. Um, I was, you know, doing my walk in my wonderful preserve today in my prayer time because it wasn't in the middle of the day. For those of you that may not know, I did share a little bit about that preserve on Sunday morning prayer. <clears throat> but anyway... I was walking today and, and thinking about how bold we need to be in this day and in this hour that we're living because of the boldness that is being spewed in people's faces today. And the Lord spoke to me and said, and you need to be, I said, Lord, how are we going to get to this generation? I'm tired of seeing. I just got another phone call this very week of a, you know, good Christian kid getting sent naked pictures of another girl. I, and I was disgusted thinking, I am, what is it going to take for us to deal with this happening in this generation? I was getting indignant. And he said, the righteous are as bold as a lion. He said, but you're not a lion. You're a lioness and you go for the juggler. Lioness kill the prey. And they bring the meat to the lion. That's what he said to me. You're a lioness. You go for the juggler. You go for the prey. And that's the only thing that's going to push back that darkness is if you rise up and start slaying that in the spirit. And that's what it's going to take because I'm tired of seeing this generation being intoxicated. And actually, when you look at that word dispensation, it has to do with a sexual allurement as well. And I'm tired of seeing them get intoxicated with this sexual perversion that was unleashed on our nation, on our capital, the day the rainbow was lit up on it. There was a spirit release stronger than ever in our nation, and it is taking out good, good kids. He said, you go for the juggler. Because you slay the prey. You are the one. Amen. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it in the spirit. I'm going to push back that spirit of darkness over this generation. And how many women are going to do it with me? I want you to just stand up. Stand up. Because I'm going to hold you to it. We're going to push back that spirit that's trying to take our children, this generation. We're going to push it back. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Lift your hands. Father, you see these that are here that are going to be in agreement 
with us that we're going to push back that demonic spirit that's trying to come in into our children's lives. We're going to push it back and we're going to be in agreement that it has to go and it's not going to happen in this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to get bold, guys, because I'm tired of seeing it happen every single day. Every single day. Amen. So, this sexual intoxication as well. That's what it means when you look it up. So, we have to be people that recognize what is the reality of what is happening in the hour that we're living. And God, we are the only ones that God can use to deal with it. We're the only ones. No one else. No government official can deal with the wickedness that is going on in our nation. We are the only ones that can deal with it. We have a responsibility to deal with it. This is off the message, but I'm telling you, we have a responsibility, and we're going to be held accountable. We're going to be held accountable if we just let this thing have this generation. Not on my watch. Hallelujah. Not when he let me know who I was. I'm going for the juggler. We're taking them out. Amen. Hallelujah. Anyway, let's try to get back on my notes so we'll be all good. Hallelujah. So that's what it means. Carries, worries, anxieties in life, the distractions of life is there for one purpose, to choke the word of God out of your life, to get you so caught up. What did he say it was like? He said, it will come on you like a trap. The one translation said in verse um, 34, again, in the New American Standard, he said, and that day will not come on you suddenly like a trap if you don't let these things get, get you off, right? So what is he talking about here, suddenly like a trap? What happens is, is when we get caught up into these things, we get so distracted, it's like this trap. It's actually like an animal trap, a trap that's set, and the animal obviously gets trapped in it, right? There's a trap that the enemy is trying to lure you away with the cares and the things of this life, uh, drunkenness, dispensation, carousing around. He's trying to get us called up into all of these things so that he can actually, it is a trap. It is a trap. This is his trap. When you read it, it says an alluring, uh, sensual drawing to sin. And that's how he allures you in. And you're in it, and then all of a sudden you realize, I'm in a trap, and I can't get out. I'm stuck. How many I know that got stuck in a sin because they got lured away again by it, and then all of a sudden, now they're trapped. It's a stronghold. Come on. And they feel there's no way out. They've been trapped by him, by the devil, 
by allowing those things to come into their life and not keeping their hearts, guarding their hearts, not allowing themselves to be entangled, or it also means a noose around your neck. You're going to be choked out. Isn't that what he said? With the cares of this life, deceitfulness of riches, it will choke you out. And actually, I saw a picture of a python. You know, I think it's really creepy when people carry around pythons and snakes because the only thing good for a snake is for its head to come off. So it really freaks me out when people are walking around with these things wrapped around and letting them lay in the beds with their kids and all kinds of stupid stuff. Anyway, a snake is a snake is a snake, and it was cursed. And anything that was cursed, I don't want on me, around me, near me. It was cursed by God. That's why nobody ought to be being friends with it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he gave me a picture of this snake, this python, you know, oh, they're acting all friendly and wrapped around your body until all of a sudden they start squeezing and squeezing a little bit more and squeezing a little bit more. And then you are trapped in, choked out, and you can't breathe. And how many people get so caught up in things, so trapped in things, caught up uh, slowly, alluring them into things, thinking, oh, it won't matter this time. Oh, nobody knows this time. Oh, I won't get caught this time. And they get trapped in and choked out. It's a noose around their own neck, right? And so he lets us know that the only thing this trap is there for is to kill. It's for loss. It's for destruction. Amen. And that's what we know his only agenda is. To come, the devil came to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. And that's what happens if we don't take heed Self-care, come on, take care of our hearts, keep our play, our, our, ourself in a position that we're guarding this heart with everything because we're not going to allow anything to distract us or keep us away from our relationship with the Lord. Amen. So he also says this, that we must be what? Sober-minded. Look at 1 Thessalonians. This is a new scripture. 1 Thessalonians. Everybody doing all right? 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 6 through 8 says this. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be on alert and sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love as a helmet and the hope of our salvation. So he lets us know that in this day, we must be people that are sober-minded. I think I skipped ahead, but anyway. We ought to be people that are sober-minded. 1 Corinthians 15, he says, listen, uh, become sober-minded as you ought and stop sinning. For some have no knowledge of God, but I speak this to your shame. 
So he lets us know some people don't have any knowledge of God, but he speaks it to your shame. We ought to be people that are sober-minded because we know God. We know God. We ought to be sober-minded. We ought to be alert. We ought to be awakened. We ought to know and discern the t- signs of the times and what's going on and, and ask the Lord for wisdom and knowledge in how to navigate with our family, with our work, with people, how to navigate our every day so that we don't get caught up into distractions that are going on. Amen. We are responsible, he lets us know, to be sober-minded. Not only sober-minded, 1 Peter 5, 8 says that we must be sober of spirit. So what does this mean? We must keep ourselves spiritually in tune, spiritually alert, right? He says, be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He's prowling around looking for an opportunity for you to let him in, to lure you in so that he can get you off, get you trapped, and take you out. And we have to be spiritually alert enough to know what is happening and what is going on around us and and be able to discern good and evil. Amen? Now, look at uh, 1 Peter 5 and 7. How do we deal with all of the cares, all of the worries, all of the anxiety? I mean, people are already, you know, worried about gas prices. People are already worried about food shortages. People are already worried about monkey pox. People are already worried and caught up and anxious about, yeah, monkey pox. Y'all know that's the new one. Uh, All of these things. I mean, people are worried, fearful, caught up in all these things. People are, I mean, I know people that's already bought $30,000 worth of food and stocked it. This is a true statement, eh? Yes. Yes, it's true. People are already. That's why the supply chain is, (laughs) they're buying up all the stock. Anyway. People are worried about all of these things, and we have the answers. We have the answers. Do you know what the answer is? It is found in Matthew 6, 25. This is what he tells me is the cure for anxiety. He said, this I tell you. I'm going to read it out of the Passion. This I tell you to never, say never. Never. Say never. Never. Say never. never. Be worried about life. That's an emphatic statement. He says never to be worried about your life. For all that you need will be provided. 
such as food, water, clothing, which is what everyone is working for. Everything your body needs. Isn't there more to life? Isn't there more to your life than a meal? Isn't your body more than clothing? Consider the birds. Do you think they are worried about their existence? They don't plant or reap or store up food, yet your heavenly Father provides for them each with food. Aren't you much more valuable to your Father than they? So which one of you, by worrying, can add anything to your life? And why would you worry right? Why would you worry about your clothing? Look at the beautiful flowers of the field. They don't work or toil, and yet not even Solomon in all his splendor was robed in beauty like one of these. And he was robed. Solomon had it all. He had it all. And he's saying these flowers are more beautiful than what Solomon had. It says, so if God has clothed the meadow with hay, which is here for such a short time, and that's where we're at, realizing that we are, life is but a vapor. And we're not to look at the seen, but the unseen. And that should be our focus. But we're all caught up in the day and in what we see. But he says, listen, he says, um, he says, which is here for such a short time and then dried up and burnt. Won't he provide for you the clothes you need, you of little? So when you're worried about your food, about your clothes, about what you're going to do, what, all these things, you have little faith in God. Isn't that what that just said? you of little faith. He goes on to say, he says, uh, let me find where I was at. So then forsake your worries. Forsake your worries. Don't forsake God. Forsake your worries. So many people are forsaking God for all of these things of this world that is choking them out. They are forsaking God for their jobs, for the money, come on, for the things, for all the things that are going on. They're forsaking God. And he says, don't forsake God. Forsake those worries. Forsake those things. He says, listen, um, why would you say, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For that is what the unbelievers chase after. It's what the unbelievers chase after. But we're supposed to be believers. Doesn't your heavenly father already know the things your bodies require? So above all, constantly seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. Then all of these things, what? These important things will be given to you abundantly. Refuse, say refuse. refuse, say refuse, refuse. say refuse. refuse, refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. This is the cure for your anxiety. How about this? Just don't do it. 
Don't do it. Don't be anxious. Don't be worried. Don't take a care. Actually, he lets us know that self-care would be what? Casting all of our cares upon him. Here it is, Psalms 55, 22. This was one of my favorite scriptures about now, wow, 20 years ago when I was in Ramah. This is one of the scriptures the Lord gave me 20 years ago because 20 years ago I wasn't where I at today. When we get to Ramah and we have no money and no house. Come on. And someone stole the little bit of cash we did have. Cast your cares on the Lord. This is the scripture I stood on. And he will sustain you. You cast those anxieties, those worries, those cares on him. And he's the one that can sustain you through it all. Because he is faithful. Because he is faithful. He will sustain you. Actually, when you look at that word, I still know it by heart. He will uphold you. He will support you. He will never let you be brought down. And when you look up that word support uh, and take care of you, it actually means everything you need. Everything you need. That's what that word sustain means. He'll sustain you with anything and everything. If you just cast that care, that worry, that anxiety on him, he will never let the righteous be shaken. He'll never let the righteous be shaken. And then in 1 Peter 5, 7 and 8. See, that's what, how good God is. It's not just one scripture. There's multiple scriptures for your cure for anxiety and worry and cares. And this is how you guard your heart. This is how you guard your heart. This is how you take care of your heart. This is how you take heed to yourself by making sure that you're giving him that care and you're not burdened down with it and weighted down with it and being intoxicated with what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm going to... Right? How are we going to do this? No, I'm going to just cast that on him because he cares for me and whatever I need, he's got it. And he's going to bring it because he delivers me out of all of my troubles. He always does, always has, because he is faithful. So 1 Peter 5, 7 and 8 says this, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. These ought to be two scriptures that you have highlighted, wrote down, because I'm going to tell you every day, just like he said, there's going to be a day for worries. But he tells you to refuse them. And this is how you refuse them, by casting them on him. By giving him those cares and saying, Father, you, you saw where we would be and what would be lacking before we even knew it was going to be lacking. You already saw it. You already knew it. And you care for me. Amen. He cares for us. 
He cares for you. And he goes on in verse uh, 8 and say, be sober in spirit and be on alert. For your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. Amen? How about this one? In our last scripture, I'm going to read. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. This ought to be another one that's highlighted in your Bible. Be anxious for, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And that's what I just said. Father, I thank you that you care for me more than anything else. You love me. You said in your word not to worry about a thing. So you know what, Lord? I'm not going to worry about a thing. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to give it to you. You're going to take care of it because you care for me. I don't know how you're going to do it, but you are the way maker. Come on. You're the way maker. You make a way, come on, when there seems to be no other way. You are the one that can deliver, uh, come on, deliver the Israelites in the middle of a sea. He made a way for deliverance. He made a way of escape. He said that there would never be a thing that you could be going through that he couldn't get you out of and give you a way of an escape. Amen. Because he cares for you. But the number one qualification is, is you've got to give it to him instead of giving it to the prayer chain and giving it to, you know, so-and-so to help you and give it. No, give it to God because he's the one that cares for you. He's the one that wants to take care of you. He's the one that wants to show you his goodness and show you his deliverance. Amen. And he says, all you have to do is cast it on me. All you have to do is give me these worries, give me these anxieties, give me these cares, so that what is going to happen when you do that, then your heart, come on, is not going to be weighted down. Your heart is not going to be in any position that you're trying to manipulate people for the money or whatever else the circumstance may be, or put pressure on somebody uh, that they need to do something for you. Come on. No, I'm going to give this to God first, and then I'm going to ask him to lead me and guide me and speak to me and what I need to do if there's anything I need to do. If there's nothing I need to do, then all I need to do is trust him. Trust him. And be in a position of faith and expectation that he will show me the way of escape. He will show me what I need to do to get out of the situation. Verse 7 says, and the peace of God. See, he connects the anxious heart or the anxiousness to people that are so anxious, they don't have peace in their life. They don't have peace. When they're worried about everything, when they're caring about everything, when they're anxious about everything, there's no peace. Because true faith 
will bring rest. And, re- and where there's true rest in faith, there's peace. So you don't have to be twiddling your thumbs. You can just have peace demeanor. You don't have to get all upset. You don't have to get distraught. You don't have to get emotional. We will have emotions, but we don't have to let those emotions rule in the moment. Because we can have peace if we've given it to God. And trust that he's going to take care of it. And then he goes on to say, which surpasses all comprehension. You don't know how. You don't know how God does it, but he does it. You don't know how he always comes through, but he does. You don't understand all of of how he navigates things that, you know, you need and it gets to you. You don't understand it all, but he does. And listen, you don't have to know. It says, then it will guard your hearts and your minds. You see that? It's connected to your mind as well. So therefore, you ought to be sober in your mind, meaning you should not let all these worries, concerns, all these things be so intoxicated that it's getting you so emotional from day to day that you are swarming around and can't even make a decision, can't even function, have to take your Xanax. Come on. Eat them like candy today people do and this is why this is the answer this is what people need and we must be demonstrating this in our own lives for us to let people see that the word of God and the power of God works then he says finally brethren whatever is true Whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good repute, if there any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, these are the things that you're to dwell on. Because when you have the gas prices going up and food shortages and chain supply demands and all these things going on, You can start meditating and and getting so focused on all those things. Come on. But he lets us know we ought to be dwelling on things that are good. And really, the only thing good is right here. You ought not to be listening to the newscaster telling you how bad it is. Right? You ought not to be meditating on what all your friends say it is and all the conspiracy theories and all the hoopla. Just focus on the word in your relationship. On the word of God. And that's going to keep you straight. That's going to keep your mind sober. That's going to keep your heart in a right place. Come on. In a place that's guarded in a place that's holy and pure before him, in a place that has only one motive, is that you want to see people delivered from the insanity of this world. Amen? Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. 
If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. Thank you.